Hey everyone, what's up? It's Jeff from Modern Combat and Survival. Welcome to podcast episode number 257. Now this week I'm bringing back a recent addition to our instructor network to talk about a topic that frankly is rarely ever on anyone's threat radar. Yeah, especially as things are heating up on the political scene, this could very well be a surprise crisis you find yourself in. I'm talking about escaping and evading flash mobs and protests gone violent. But first, I want to give a shout out to Andrew from Kansas City who gave us five stars and said, I just love the podcast. It's practical and informative. As a newbie, it's had me take action and be proactive when it comes to self-defense. Keep up the amazing job. Well, thanks, Andrew. And if you are loving the podcast, I'd love to get your five-star rating and review also. So please head on over to wherever you get your podcast access and leave us one there. And don't forget to grab this week's free show notes, including our handy-dandy one-page cheat sheet. All you need to do is head on over to www.mcsmagazine.com slash 257 and download it all absolutely free. And now, let's talk tactics. Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. I think it's safe to say that as a society, we're more divided than ever. I hope it doesn't stay this way, but the fact is we live in a world where people of all walks of life are mad as hell and less filtered than ever in expressing their frustrations. From political rally chants hinting of violence to heated protests over everything from civil rights to crumbling infrastructures, citizens are taken to the streets in massive numbers and are just one thrown rock away from a violent riot. The fact is the threat of mob violence is a reality we all live with every day, whether you realize it or not as social media has made it far faster and easier to rile up a group of locals to band together in protest to demonstrate their anger. It's no longer an impossibility that you and your family could unknowingly take a familiar turn in your area with your vehicle and find yourself staring down an angry and violent mob. When that happens, what do you do? What can you do? And how do you avoid that situation in the first place? Well, that's what we're talking about today. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson, editor from Modern Combat Travel Magazine and executive director of the New World Patriot Alliance. Another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. And with me today is firearms instructor Salvatore Di Gennaro, who's been on our show before, but also he deals not just with firearms, but also with anything to help you protect yourself and your family. So, Salvatore, welcome back to the program, man. Hey, thanks for having me back, Jeff. Nope, I'm looking forward to tapping back into your cranium. This is an area that you don't find a lot of firearms instructors really paying attention to. They talk about things like vehicle tactics and, and you know, vehicle defense for carjackings and stuff. But the fact is, is that there are other threats out there than just criminals who are looking to take the car. So I'm really looking forward to hearing what you have to say about this. Um, listen, everybody, if you haven't listened to the other show that we've had with uh, with Salvatore, um, he is a firearms instructor. He's an IDPA shooter and a lifelong practitioner of the concealed carry lifestyle who strives to serve as a conduit of reliable information to the masses of new shooters out there, as well as experienced shooters. Now, he's a contributing author for USA Carry, Concealed Nation, Self-Defense Prescription, The Truth About Guns, and his own blog, Reflex Handgun. He's also an active defender of the Second Amendment, and his political writing has been published in The National Interest, The Western Journal, American Thinker, The Bull Elephant, and other media outlets as well. To learn more about Salvatore and his training, make sure that you visit him online at www.reflexhandgun.com. All right, Salvatore, when it comes to like, vehicles and mob violence and protecting yourself, I mean, there's an old saying, right? Like, if you, if you want, if you don't want to get into a, 
into a fight at a biker bar, like just don't go into biker bars, right? And of course, the same thing here. I mean, most people might think about this as kind of an unrealistic scenario because, well, if there were angry mobs out there, why would you ever drive your vehicle into an angry mob or why would you even be in that area? But as we know, like these types of protests, they could be planned without anybody even knowing these types of flash mobs and they could get they could acted upon very quickly in areas that you would never even suspect it. So but but it's a it's a it's a fair question, though, about what we do to prevent these things from happening to begin with, especially if it's something that you're just it's not on your radar there. So what are some things that we can do to try and prevent these types of accidental driving into dangerous areas where there's potential for mob violence, especially during politically you know unrestful times and things like that? What are some of maybe the, in, the intel strategies that we can use to maybe know as much as we can about where these things might happen or, or danger areas that we might want to avoid? Yeah, so I, I have some good advice pertaining to that. And to your point, um, how these things can happen in a very un, unpredictable way. First thing I'll say about it is uh, this phenomenon goes back quite a ways. In fact, probably the very best example in our lifetimes we could think of. Many of your listeners, this is probably predates their lifetime, but think of the Los Angeles riots. Yeah. Circa 91, 92, don't quote me on that, but very early 90s, mm-hmm. um, where, you know, Reginald Denny, the, the truck driver, got dragged out of his, his, his big rig, you know, and beat almost to death. So, that entire situation happened very unpredictably, happened very quickly. And before you know it, it was out of control. As far as being concerned about mobs in general, I had an experience when I was younger where I went to a concert (laughs) that was a lot of local and regional heavy metal bands. And the whole demographic attending the concert was 18 and 20 year old guys. And as you would imagine, that's a powder keg to begin with. But uh, the, the crowd got so violent that the first band walked off the stage and refused to play. And that place blew up. And uh, fortunately, I was not down near the stage. I was off to the peripheries and I actually made it to an exit and got out. There was a lot of injuries sustained. Even a lot of the bouncers got busted up that night. Anyway, after that event, I, I realized that crowds in general can kind of take on a nature all of their own. And, you know, even when people say, oh, well, you know, I, I go to the ballet with a bunch of old people. How dangerous could that be? Let a fire break out in that venue, and you'll see that the crowd itself can become the the primary uh, concern for safety. So when you combine that with an unpredictable crowd that can just sort of spontaneously spring up that's agitated about perceived social or political slights, whatever the case may be, you have a really volatile situation. So... I have three really good tips to give people when it comes to the avoidance of that. So, again, they can happen more quickly than most people would think. We've seen that happen a lot. But but the first one is stay aware of what's going on in the news, especially politically. So while some of these things do spring up very quickly, even if there is not a forecasted demonstration there are usually things brewing that can lead to it. So, you know, I get it. You don't want to follow politics. It gets us all frustrated. But at least keep your finger on the pulse of it, especially in your own jurisdiction. 
okay, be aware of things that have happened, maybe the the arrest or, you know, police shootings, any of those kind of things that could lead to this kind of violence and, and be ready for it, know what's going on. The second thing I definitely recommend, and this is one that a lot of people fail to think about, be aware of what is around you, not only where you live, but where you work. For example, you work at an office right next to the county courthouse. If you're in and around those kind of specific locations, which are going to be the scene of those kind of demonstrations, county courthouse, uh, police uh, precinct, whatever the case may be, uh, know that and know where they are in relation to your place of work or your, your or your residence and in terms of where they are in terms of your routes. Third thing I would say, know alternate routes and use some of these good new applications, Google Maps or dedicated apps like Waze that, that show you traffic. And during heightened times of unrest, look at those apps. And if you see traffic backups, you know those are places that you want to avoid. You want to stay out of anywhere that traffic is, is uh, you know, crawling to a, to a halt, especially if it coincides with where some of those targeted locations may be. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's a, as we're talking about this, I'm thinking about so many other different scenarios that I've seen these types of things. They don't necessarily have to be like massive protests and things like that. I mean, we have seen things like mob violence. Um, I'm not sure what the current status is, but in Philadelphia for a while, there were flash mobs. I mean, people are used to seeing like flash mobs at the mall where all of a sudden at like, you know, 2.14 p.m., everybody starts, you know, saying ping like they're, you know, just it's just weird stuff. However, this has also popped up um, several times across the country where people have just said, okay, at, at 2.14 p.m., start just stop traffic and just pull people out of their cars and just beat the shit out of them. We've seen that happen before. Um, we've seen it at the State Fair in Wisconsin, I believe it was. We had the same thing happen where people are out there and all of a sudden, you know, you're at the, you're at the carnival holding your daughter's hand and, and waiting for the Ferris wheel and all of a sudden, everybody around you just starts beating the hell out of everybody. So these things often have a very violent nature to them. And I think, you know, people don't, this isn't on people's radar. Like this isn't something we typically are used to dealing with as a threat. And uh, speaking specifically about driving in, because again, this is one of those areas where if you're on foot, you might have a little bit better chance to be able to duck into a store, be able to barricade yourself or something like that. In your vehicle, we always have this sense of security but you make that turn, you may, you might not necessarily be able to turn away from it, you know. But I think that a lot of people, they they reach a they. The first thing is is always just observing what's going on and and trying to identify that you are even in a threat. And so people end up freezing more often, than I think, than anything. You have to figure out what you're going to do, especially if you have a big old vehicle that you're trying to hunker around in, right? So so let's let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, I want to get out of that freeze effect here. And I think that the the first actions, especially in this type of a scenario, are so critical to your survivability. And it's one of those things where you can make the wrong move. Um, and I'll save a, a story here. I won't go into it right now, but maybe it'll come up in, as we're having our interview. But um, those first moves that you make could actually do more damage than than protecting you. And so I think I want to start there with um, maybe some of the bigger mistakes, like some of the things not to do. If you suddenly you take a turn you all of a sudden realize that there is a a protest going on 
it looks like it's getting angry here. You can't turn, you can't necessarily maybe turn around or you have people behind you, but what do you do, right? Like what's the worst things that you can do to, um, that people should be avoiding actually in their, in their planning for this type of a scenario? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think one of the biggest issues is people have a false sense of security being in their vehicle. So probably the thing is biggest issue is people just wait too long. You know, they, they feel safe. And and sometimes it's not even that uh, a false sense of security as much as a curiosity. You know, mm-hmm. people will get curious. Hey, what's going on up there? So I, I would say the overriding principle is don't wait too long. If you turn down that street, and things look bad. You Maybe you're not quite sure what's happening, but you see people out in force. Turn around then. Yeah. The second thing I would recommend is, and this plays into everything you should do in a vehicle, is drive defensively so that you, you can do exactly that. You know, don't pull up too close to the guy right in front of you so that you're bumper to bumper. Give yourself uh, some some room so that you can you can, you know, make those those lane changes if you have to. Also think in terms of driving in non-conventional places if you have to jump up on the sidewalk or over the curb be willing to do that to get yourself out of there and um <clears throat> the other thing that i would i would definitely say is if you're indeed boxed in again this comes back to people feel safe in the vehicle but if you are indeed boxed in and you can tell you're not able to move in the vehicle you may be safer getting out on foot because if you have a crowd of people in a protest or a march, you know, if you get out on foot, you're just among them now. Or if you're, if, if they're still far away, if you get out on foot, you may be able to get, get, uh, in the clear, get into safety. Because the vehicle, even though yes, you're much faster in the vehicle and you have some protection around you in the vehicle, if you're not moving, you don't want to be trapped in a vehicle that's sitting motionless when the crowd actually gets, gets on top of you. You know, you bring up a really good point. I mean, you just you just got me thinking about something I, I hadn't really thought of before in that you're right. Like when you get out of the vehicle, you can kind of like act like you're one of them even potentially. Right. Like you might you you're you're one of them. And I hadn't thought about it before. But like if you're in a vehicle, there's a sense of security and safety that you might have like falsely so. But when I think about it, like the mindset of the people that could be around you that are like that are everything is kind of escalating. There's this safety also of like, oh, it's it's okay or it's accept. I don't want to say acceptable, but it's safe to take this car and beat on it or yell at the people inside or start to like rock it because there's a sense of I'm not really hurting these people, but I'm I'm acting out more, right? Like it's that whole, you know, that mindset where everybody just kind of, um, you know, just starts, it, it becomes a group mindset thing. And so, and, and as, as I said in the introduction, like it only takes one person like to throw a rock, then all of a sudden it just pandemonium breaks out. Whether that rock hits a police officer who reacts or somebody just sees somebody throwing a rock and they're like, yeah, let me throw a rock too. It seems like it really is a danger of other people feeling like, oh, let's rock this car because it's not an act of violence necessarily, but it's an act of acting out. But I, I can quickly get a group. To that. I, I, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think there's something to that. It's 
it's also the destruction of property. So when people go on a rampage, for example, why do they always smash up Starbucks? I can't figure that out. Right? Yeah. It's always start, is it you know the the corporate the evil corporate entity that is Starbucks? I'm I'm not quite sure, but uh, you know certain certain stores certain storefronts get smashed up. So vehicles the same thing, especially you know police cruisers. You'll see those be targeted. So I I think there's something to that. So again, if you can't move in the vehicle, you're probably much better off getting out sooner and and you know not waiting till you're now surrounded by a crowd of a- angry people because now obviously if you're getting out of the vehicle in the midst of them you are very definitely the other you know yeah. you're not part of the mob and you're not now well ahead of the mob so yeah I, I think you make a good point there's something to it about the vehicle not just being in the way but specifically targeted because there's that element of of damaging property sticking it to the man and uh you know flipping over and destroying vehicles is all part of that i suppose yeah all fun and good times till somebody loses an eye right <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right, listen, everybody, we've been talking. Yeah, about, yeah, exactly right. We've been talking with Salvatore De Janeiro of ReflexHandgun.com, talking about defending yourself and your loved ones in the midst of mob violence when you're out in your vehicle. And we have a lot more to get to, including driving through a mob. Is the battering ram method really the best strategy here? Also, riot defense weapons for your vehicle. And what to do when a crowd has you trapped and is trying to tip your vehicle over with you and your family inside. This is a question I've been looking to get to. We just started hitting it. We've got a lot more coming up. But first, check out this special message. In any disaster, crisis, or attack, your life and the life of those you love could solely rest on the survival gear you've acquired. Do you have the proper gear to protect you from the threats you'll face? Whether it's preparing your home against the destruction and mayhem of a city in chaos, or you're bugging out to a safer location when a natural disaster forces you from your home, the supplies you have right now could ensure your survival or seal your fate. Don't take the risk. Claim your free copy of our exclusive guide, Survival Gear Secrets, at survivalgearsecrets.com and discover the seven-phase survival gear plan every family must prepare for or face the consequences. Five no-bullshit warning signs that a collapse is headed your way, so you're already in action long before your neighbors even know what hit them. And how to know exactly when it's safer to stay at home and shelter in place. Or get in the family bug out mobile and get the hell out of Dodge. Your fellow citizens may be fine with sleeping in a crowded stadium waiting for FEMA to hand them a granola bar, juice box, and a blankie. But you know that no one can protect your family better than you can. If you're properly prepared with the right supplies and equipment to ensure your survival. Don't wait until it's too late. Find out what's missing from your survival gear plan by grabbing your free copy of Survival Gear Secrets now at www.survivalgearsecrets.com. And now, back to our show. Okay, we're back with Salvatore DiGennaro of ReflexHandgun.com, talking about survival tactics for escaping and evading a violent mob when driving in your vehicle. And we have a lot more to get to, so let's go ahead and jump back in right now. So, Salvatore, I keep thinking of these, like, I've seen YouTube videos where, where people are driving their, their vehicle into a crowd of other people. A lot of times, you know, you can, you can get really trapped inside of there. And um, when that happens, as we've been talking, if you have a violent mob around you, the vehicle can be, end up becoming like, a, like the flame that the mobs kind of get attracted to. And 
damage of property is certainly part of that, but the people inside of it can get trapped in that violence as well, whether it's knowingly or unknowingly from the from the mob that's around them. And so, um, what what are what are like your top tips for for using your vehicle? Because there is a sense of safety in there. It can be. It can be a false sense of safety. But the thing is, is that you are in a gigantic weapon that can be used, but you do it the wrong way. And I've seen I've seen this done the wrong way also. Um, you, again, can end up doing a lot more damage and, and making it a bigger threat to you than if you had uh, have not done certain things. So so what are some tips that you have for actually um, being inside of the vehicle and using it to either get through or around the mob if you still have the protection of that vehicle? Yeah. So, again, definitely try not to get to that point. So, you know, that would be where your defensive driving to begin with, you know, be willing to cross the curb, get up on the sidewalk, whatever it may be to get out of there and get mobile again. If you're at the point now where you actually have people accosting the vehicle while you're in it, Bear in mind that if you're going to start running people over, that is very clearly lethal force. That's no different than jumping out and and shooting people. So it may be justified if you are in a situation where people are trying to flip the vehicle over or, you know, throwing Molotov cocktails on vehicles may be justified. If you have to do it, what you want to bear in mind is you want to move slowly and essentially push people out of the way. There's two reasons for that. Obviously, we don't want to have to kill people if we don't have to. But uh, the bigger reason pertaining to your own safety is if you hit a human being going fast, you can very easily disable the vehicle. I don't think a lot of people realize that. Think in terms of if you've ever hit a deer. You can total a car if you hit a deer doing 60 miles an hour. So if you have a mob of people and now it's come to this where it is indeed lethal force is justified, the vehicle is the weapon being used, you want to move at a pretty moderate rate, still moving fast enough that a good number of people can't actually stop the vehicle, but you don't want to be slamming at a high rate of speed into people where it's going to disable the vehicle. Uh, so, you know, if it comes to that, it's a matter of literally pushing the crowd out of the way and hopefully getting to a place where you can get out on the highway. Really bad position to be in because, to your point, if you go ahead and run people over and then you get ground to a halt, they're not going to be happy with you. So, you know, it's 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 a really bad place to be in, but that would be the principle to bear in mind if it comes to that and you have to actually drive through a crowd. Think in terms of pushing people out of the way. You don't want to be ramming at high speeds into people because very quickly you'll disable the vehicle. Yeah. Yeah, and also I think it's important to notice, like if you do inadvertently hit somebody or something, we had a situation, um, I used to live up in Chicago and – there was a situation there where somebody had mistakenly hit hit a girl that was on the sidewalk. And um, actually, it, it was on a porch. Like the person had, I don't know if they veered off, like trying not to hit something else, but they, they basically ran up into this yard, struck this girl. There were some people that were sitting on the steps. They saw it. They ended up um, dragging the person out of the vehicle and and killing the person with bricks. And... You know, I guess it's one of those things where it's very nat- like our natural responses to things. Like if you hit somebody or if you do, as you said before, like if you want to get a closer look at something or if somebody's banging on your car or starting to rock it, you might want to just jump out and say, hey, what the hell are you doing? Um, but when you do that, you're now you now you don't have the protections of that vehicle either. And so 
Um, I think it's one of those things where if somebody does hit somebody, you got to make sure while the, the, the regular thing to do would be to get out of the car, see if they're okay and everything, you've got to really judge this scenario and see how violent are things around you or are people reacting to that also that are, are, um, are they reacting more violently? Because people aren't thinking when it's that group thing, people aren't thinking, um, logically. They're not thinking the way that they maybe normally would. It really is a very volatile situation. I think most people just don't don't see that or don't notice that or whatever. But um, so a lot of interesting stuff there. Let's talk about equipment really quick, because I mean, we have we know that the vehicle is, of course, a weapon and there's tools and there's equipment there. But what what items, whether they're weapons or other items that you might have in your vehicle? If it's something you're going to leave in the vehicle, anything OC related is a potential hazard being left in a hot vehicle. So in a particular situation like this, it might be a really great tool to have, but you have to be conscious of, you know, you, you live in South Florida or Texas where it's 160 degrees in the vehicle when it's parked. And you you don't want an OC grenade blowing up in your own vehicle, you know, so. Uh, but but otherwise, you know, maybe you have it in a pack that things have been uh, getting weird lately. That that might be a good tool to have. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. It goes those reaching hands, uh, reaching in there. If you have something that you can use that's non-lethal to try and like hit those back and give people a, a few, bro- you know, broken knuckles or some bruised hands is, uh, is useful. Um, and, and you bring it up as, I mean, a tool to have, but firearms, of course, we have to talk about firearms when it comes to defending yourself inside a vehicle and, and mob violence, but, um, it's a very tricky situation. You know, there's lots of, I mean, People think that there aren't laws or anything without rule of law when it's like a mob situation like that. And of course it is a certainly a, it's certainly a, um, it's a severe scenario to, to have to be able to try and even justify why you had to use deadly force when it's so, when it's so violent. But, but it is, it is definitely a last resort survival um, tool that we have. So what strategies do you recommend when it comes to, um, if you're armed in a mob, a mob starts rocking your vehicle to get it over. In other words, you can't escape out of the vehicle. Can't, you can't drive your way out of it. You weren't able to get out of the car um, early enough. Um, people are starting to rock your vehicle. And you do have a – look, I don't want to think about what would happen if I'm upside down now and I'm trying to protect my family in there. So what? What? how, how do we explore this last resort, um, do-or-die type of a scenario where you've got a violent mob around you, you are armed? When is that – when is that a, a, a tool that you would actually use? So at that point, you, you're justified in using it because now this is deadly force. If people are trying to rock, the, the you know, flip the car over while you and, yeah. and other people are in the vehicle. The problem is, is now you're in the worst possible situation to be in because if you stay in the vehicle, and it gets flipped over. Now your escape becomes even that much harder. And, and again, I remind people that, you know, just the uh, the mob itself is not the only concern. If, if they throw Molotov cocktails or other inflammatory devices on the vehicle, that would be my primary concern at that point. The problem is if you get out of the vehicle and start shooting, if you indeed have that big a mob on top of you, you can be disarmed very quickly. Okay, It's very hard to retain a gun when you're pressed in with that many people. So, you know, we're really talking about worst case scenario at this point. Is the vehicle truly not moving? If there's an avenue where it can move and you can fire through the window, maybe you body yourself with enough shock and awe that that the mob lets up just a little bit. 
I need to get the car moving. If you're at the point where the car can't move, I would agree the time fact is before you get flipped over. But if you if you have that many people around you, now you're really at, at the worst possible situation, probably shooting through the glass, trying to open up an opening of some kind, and then you have to rely on real violence of action to to you know get out and get away from that vehicle. If you have family members, it's even a worse situation, obviously, to get people out of that vehicle. But uh, if you do make it out, you know, try to get somewhere very quickly onto side streets, get away from the mob. If all else fails, get your back against the wall. So at least you're you only have one sphere to defend yourself against. But again, we're, we're really at the point where, you know, you can't rely on just the the uh, shooting to disperse the mob, because when you have that many people, it may not have that effect. It might. But it might not. And again, you're now in the position where you've shot a few people and maybe before that you ran a few people over and now they drag you out and disarm you. You've got a real problem. So my main advice is do anything possible to keep it from getting to that point. But now if you're at that point, if you've got to leave the car, then, you know, violence of action. You know, hopefully violence of action wins the day. And that's that's a hard thing to do when you're dealing with that many people. Now, depending on the circumstances, maybe the vehicle, though, is disabled and a mob is approaching you. You know, uh, now you, you have something much more feasible. Get out of that car uh, because that's the point where you definitely want to get out of the vehicle. Get your family out and again, get your backs to a wall or get out of the, the area. But. Yeah, that that's a tough one, Jeff. That that we don't want to be there to that point where we actually have you know a hundred people piled up on the car, rocking it around, and uh, we're just going to have to go for broke and make the best out of it if it comes to that. Yeah, and uh, you know, and you're right about uh, people. I think assume that if you shoot the gun, that, that the crowd is going to disperse. And I think you and I were talking with before, like we'd seen the. There was a video of an IRA funeral in, in Ireland and, and, uh, there was a protest that was happening and there was a vehicle that was stopped. It was an angry mob. And I do remember like the guys, they were armed and they shot out the side window. Um, which, which brings, I guess, up another point, right? Like there's a difference between shooting through your front windshield and the windshield staying at least relatively intact versus shooting out the side window and now you lose that window and are maybe more easily attacked for the people that are around that area. But I remember that video where the guy shot and the crowd like immediately scattered away from the vehicle. And then it was almost like it created a vacuum. Like within, within just a few seconds, they were determined enough that they went, they sucked right back to the vehicle and then dragged these guys out. So, so you're right. Like when you make that kind of decisive action, don't count on that crowd actually dispersing, but it may give you just that little bit of room around your vehicle that you needed to all of a sudden see where your exit is and and take that exit. Um, man, tough stuff, man. I hate I hate thinking about this shit. You know what I mean? It's yeah, yeah. It's it's a worst possible scenario. So you know, the other thing to think of is not only is the crowd uh, a crowd tends to have a lot of courage and numbers, but you know, with the chaos going on, uh, people may not even realize that there's shooting happening. You know, so again, True. relying on that as a deterrent, it's it's really a, a, a tough sell. You know, it's, so my main advice would be try to do everything up to that point to prevent that, even if it's doing something counterintuitive and again, fleeing the vehicle if it's indeed immobilized and boxed in. 
you know, mm-hmm. people are going to be hesitant to do that. Um, you're better off doing that before you get to the point where you ha- you're absolutely surrounded and people are trying to flip the vehicle over. Uh, another quick note, uh, studies indicate that if you crack your side windows just a little bit, so about half an inch up at the top, they're actually more resilient. They can take more of a pounding than if they're closed. Really? So just bear that in mind. Yeah, because apparently um, when the wind- side windshields are fully closed, um, they're actually more stabilized along the edges. Mm. So more force goes into the glass when people smash on it. So believe it or not, they will actually withstand more of a pounding just a little bit crack. You don't want to crack it much, you know, like half an inch. So yeah. that's just something interesting to, to consider. Uh, if you're thinking about, it. of course, if there's tear gas and all of that, you probably don't want to open those windows. But just another thing to consider. But, yeah, we're talking about scary stuff that ultimately, you know, prevention. Prevention is where it's at for this, if at all possible. Don't be in the situation. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize that. That's That's really interesting. Okay, cool. Awesome. Well, Salvatore, thank you so much. This has been this has been awesome information. And like I said, I mean, I I got really I really got thinking about this because I remember 2016 in the election season and how we had. I mean, people were people were very angry back then. I'm expecting things to be even worse now, and the rhetoric rhetoric has already started ramping up. So I am concerned about this coming election season, and I think it's this, inf- this is information that's really important for people to know. So thank you very much for that. Um, listen, everybody. Uh, as you can tell, Salvatore is uh, not just about guns, so uh, he really takes total protection for you and your family very seriously, and I highly advise you go and check out his website. Go check out the training that he has over there. Check out the writing that he's doing as well. Really, really good stuff. I've become a recent big fan here um, and what's discovering him. So make sure you head on over to his website over at www.reflexhandgun.com. And until our next Modern Combat Survival broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying prepare, train, and survive. This has been Modern Combat and Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.